this is Kate Jenkinson, and you're listening to The Slot. Hey, welcome to The Slot. It's disclaimer time. There's going to be swearing, and there are going to be spoilers. So if you've got kids around, poppers in your ears. And if you don't want to hear any spoilers, go away, watch the show, and come back later. We're always going to be here, and we're always going to be free. We're not associated with Wentworth, Fremantle, or Foxtel. We're just some fans talking about a show that we love, and our opinions are our own. Stay slotty. Hey, everybody. This is Hannah from The Slot. I'm here with my buddy, Al. And we have a very, 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 very special guest today. Oh, It is the Miss Kate Jenkinson and her little baby, Bowie. Yay. Hi, guys. Welcome. Hello, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I feel honored to be a part of The Slot. Thank you for coming on. We're really, really appreciative. Look, it's not the first time I've been in The Slot, but this time just far more enjoyable experience, I imagine. Hopefully. Hopefully, fingers crossed. We'll see. I'll let you know. I'll let you know how it compares to the real slot. Oh Lord. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully more comfortable. I think so. Yeah. Um. So we just wanted to ask you like a few questions about really like acting. Uh, Wentworth, obviously, because we're a Wentworth podcast. But um, I know Hannah's very into Doctor Doctor. Oh, um. So that's gonna come. Right. Did we talk about Doctor Doctor Hannah when we when I saw you or? I can't remember. A little bit. I asked about Tara because I'm kind of fascinated by her. Because just so that you know a little bit about me, I am an essential personnel. So I had to deal with the likes of Tara's for a few years now. And oh, right. As in, as in crazy ego inflated doctors. Yes. <laughs> How was that? That would have been I a like, challenge. I like Tara better. No, I shouldn't say that. that's not true. I mean, you know. Yeah, I I can imagine, especially now with what's happening in the world, that being um being in the healthcare sector would just be so incredibly stressful, and the pressure that would be on everybody would be extreme. Yes, uh, actually, unfortunately, a few colleagues that I used to work with, uh, we lost three of them to COVID, and they're not old. So I know a lot of people were going around thinking, oh, it's just old people or yeah. individuals who have, you know, a yeah. secondary it's just the flu. disease. It's just the flu. We don't need to worry about it. Yeah, yeah. no, no, yeah. unfortunately. And right now we're seeing a lot of young people coming into the ER. So that's, that's scary. Yeah, pretty unprecedented times. And I think that, I think that the reality is only just starting to, to hit people, um, yeah, I, I think the next, I think the coming months are going to be quite unique and and very challenging for everybody. I think so too. Are you on lockdown in Australia? Yeah, uh, so it's, I think lockdown is it's sort of a everyone has their own different version of lockdown. Um, mm. Where uh, lockdown in Victoria, which is where I am here in Australia, means that uh, really you should you're encouraged to only leave the house. I think there's like five legitimate reasons that you can leave your house. One is to exercise. One is to uh, get essential supplies like food and things to maintain the house. Uh, What else? Uh, If you have to go to work or study and you can't do that from home. Um, Yeah, I think there's, there's five legitimate reasons why you can be out of your home. And if you're not complying with that you you're going to get a fine and they're they're man- mandating that pretty heavily which is yeah look it's extreme but i think 
this is an extreme time and and who knows how to deal with this correctly like maybe maybe we're not doing the right thing maybe we are doing the right thing maybe we're not doing enough i think i think i'm at this point i just have to say whoever is above me in this knows better than i do and so i'm just going to do what i'm told for the little for the next little while yeah yeah that's the attitude we need to have i think yeah but yeah, unfortunately i'm gonna veer off of that isn't it a little tough for those who live paycheck to paycheck because that's the issue we're having over here in the yeah. states well in, in australia too in fact yeah. so many of my colleagues yes. on uh, on film set we're not essential workers right. and because of the nat- the nature of our work is contract um a lot of us are freelancers we don't fall under the scope of any of the current uh subsidies that are being handed out by the government uh so a lot of a lot of the people that i work with myself included we don't qualify for any kind of assistance and it's really really impacting a lot of my friends and that's heartbreaking and yeah, I imagine that it's mm. the same around the world. I'm a member of the MEAA, which is the Media and Arts, uh, Media and Entertainment Arts Alliance. Okay. And they're working. They work incredibly hard for our rights as, as actors and as um, anyone in the entertainment industry, I believe. And I certainly think that the government is taking notice, and that they're they're having to. Um, they're having to expand their definition of who qualifies who, who who qualifies for assistance and who doesn't i i can only imagine it would be a logistical nightmare for them to i i feel for everybody in this situation because there there's no winner there's no winner in this and mm. you know obviously our employer Fremantle they had to stand so much of us down but there's just nothing like what can they do there's nothing that they can do they're not they're not getting paid so how can they pay us and it's just a, a nightmare mm. for everybody and um yeah i mean i i feel exceptionally lucky because i i know that there are so many people that would just be in an impossible situation right now and and stuck too it's not it's not like it's not like you can just go oh well that that job didn't work out i'll just go and work in a shop or stack some shelves at a supermarket there's literally nothing nothing. we can do either got to rely on the government or or eat into your savings and um But yeah, it, it'll be a story to tell the grandchildren. That's that's how I'm looking at it at this point. Yes. Yeah, that's a positive way of looking at it. I like it. While we're yeah. on that note and we're talking about COVID, what's with this COVID, cooking with COVID? I wanted to find out <laughs> if you're going to actually have a cooking book called Cooking with COVID or are you going to have some type of video for the later it ha- years? It has been suggested that I start a cooking with COVID cookbook. My fear is that I would be putting something out there into the world that would um, lead to a lot of cases of salmonella. I'm not sure that my <laughs> my, cooking, my cooking practices are up to scratch. Not sure that I'm um, not sure that that's the best thing to release into the world. But oh lord, yeah. I, look, it's entertaining me, and I have to say that that's really the only reason that I started doing it. I I, I need to do something creative. Uh, and I love mm. I love cooking, even though I'm I'm certainly not the world's best or inventive cook or most inventive cook. I um I enjoy it, and uh, I love the uh, ratios that you can yeah. have. It's my <laughs> Always part. go high high fat sugar and salt ratios, and usually it will turn out pretty tasty. Oh, oh, oh. 
Yeah. Uh, oh so no, it was it was really just for me to alleviate my boredom because in the in the interim, I, I well, and I still don't know how long I'm going to be in lockdown. Um, so I just I, I figured that this would be a way that I could try and reduce wastage, try and rely less mm. on getting takeaway meals, and right. yeah, I can't go out to restaurants anymore, and. Um, that's been limited. So I just wanted to try and find some creative and fun way that I could use up all of the scraps in my pantry and fridge and, and hopefully it would be entertaining to someone out there. And Oh, I'm sure it's very entertaining. I'm entertained for sure. I laughed. Actually, I posted something on you with, uh, you were putting pasta or something on your face. Oh, pastry. Pastry. Yeah, I made fun of you for that. I'm good at making fun of you. It was like a sheet mask, like a cooling (laughs) sheet mask. Yeah, there's a lot of love for cooking with oh, COVID yeah. on Twitter and, and Instagram. So I hope you are. Seeing, oh, good. no, I yeah, People uh, are being incredibly kind and generous. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I think people just like seeing someone else fail in the kitchen. <laughs> Makes them feel like they're <laughs> a bigger oh, group. I love it. But I wanted to ask you, you did this fitness XO mm. thing and your high salt and sugar ratios. How on earth do you manage that? How do you eat a burger and stay in? Music? Maybe I'm fueled, Maybe I'm powered by by grace. Maybe that's what. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Look, I, I mean, I feel like I'm pretty healthy, generally speaking. I just, uh, I, I, I like me. I like me the good stuff as well. I like the fatty, sugary, salty treats, like everybody does. Oh yeah. And also, I, it's probably just that that they're the kind of foods that I eat that I would share with you guys because it's not it's not as interesting you know, watching me eat hummus and carrot sticks. But yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I think maybe I'm just lucky. My, Nathan says all the time, "Like how how the fuck do you eat all of that?" And stay so thin. I don't know. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe the current like social climate is just inducing so much anxiety within me that it's just eating away my fat stores. I don't know. So my sister's one of these people that can pretty much eat anything because oh. she works out so much. Yeah. Like, she can eat anything. Whereas me I look too. at piece of cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I'm you telling you. It's horrible. Yeah. Well, look, I will say, I will say this is that um, since I started doing Fitness XO, I started training with Jimmy uh, in LA, oh, gosh, how many, six years ago, I think. And since I started doing his style of workout, I have noticed that I've been able to eat really a lot more, a lot more than I usually do. I think it's because it's so intense and uh, weights driven. And so I think building muscle, I don't know. I think there's some science. If you've got more muscle on your body, you burn more calories. Well, yeah, that's what they say. Yeah. Oh, so it's high intensity training then that you do. Yeah. HIIT training. So similar to CrossFit. Yeah. I think it's less weighted. Right. Yeah, less weighted than CrossFit, but I think probably a similar style. And you're doing a competition at the moment to win Yeah. So Jimmy, um, I've uh, like I said before, I've been training with Jimmy for so long and he's just the most exceptional human being. He's so kind and generous and he really he really cares. That's the thing is that he's not in this business for fame. He's not in the business oh, for money. Sweet. He really genuinely cares about people and he oh. and his wife Elle, they just love the community and they love seeing people get fit and healthy and um he actually suggested that i do a, a cooking with covid but like a healthy version he's like maybe you could try <laughs> with less butter and salt uh, <laughs> so I, might, I might do a healthy fitness xo inspired cooking with covid but 
Um, but yeah, no, they're just incredibly wonderful people and they deliver results. That's the thing too. I would never, I would never promote something that I didn't actually believe would benefit people. Um, and they've been incredibly kind and generous to me, um, over the years. And, and so I wanted to be, I wanted to throw some of that generosity back to them. And, and also because we are globally all in the, in the same position, I don't think there's ever been a moment in history where we've all globally been unified in our inability to do anything. And so I, I wanted to extend something out to people that might help them stay positive, stay optimistic, stay fit. Cause I certainly for me, I, there's a, a huge link between fitness and mental health and, and wellness Definitely. for oh, yeah. me. So I, I wanted to, in my own very small way, just um, try and extend mm. that out. And also the thing with fitness that so I've noticed with the, the workouts that you can scale them to kind of your ability. So you don't feel like you can't compete. Yes. Well, that's the, that's the thing that I really love about their workouts in particular is that, and I think a lot of it has to do with Jimmy's style of training um, is that, he never makes you feel like you're not working hard enough. He's, he doesn't mm. shout at you like, come on, you're not working hard enough. Sweat. We need you to sweat more. <laughs> He's very much a, hey, congratulations. You showed up. You're doing your best. Good for you. And he'll gently, he'll gently nudge you to maybe try a little bit harder than you did yesterday. But he does it in an incredibly encouraging way. And, and yeah, you're exactly right. You can tailor those exercises to... To your fitness level i always work out with a friend of mine jay and she is a machine like wow i feel incredibly inadequate working out next to her um <laughs> but it goes but you still get fantastic results she goes like the clappers i kind of go like an elderly person um central <laughs> but you know it's still still fun and you get the benefits um so let's let's chat about wentworth because that's yes my one of my favorite oh, excellent so um you were a fan of wentworth before you were in it yes right? i was so what made you audition and what made you audition for Ali? well the simple answer to that is that I was, I was asked to audition and Ali was the character that I was asked to audition for. Um, I had been asked to audition years and years before when the show first started, <gasps> but I, um, I wasn't in the position that I want. I, I didn't want to commit to a, a contract at that point. Cause I just gotten a, mm. a visa to work in the United States and I, I really wanted to pursue acting in the United States. So I, at that time, I didn't want to audition for anything that would tie me to Australia for an extended period of time. So I didn't audition in the beginning. Uh, but yeah. in the years in between, I lived in LA, I worked in LA, and I became addicted to Wentworth. Yeah. And I remember, I think, I'm sure I've told this story before. So sorry if I'm boring anyone who's heard this. But uh, I was in Los Angeles, and um, I was catching up for lunch with a friend of mine, Kasha, who was in Wentworth. She she played one of Frankie's right-hand women okay. on the show. I think she was in season two and three. Mm. And uh, I mm. caught up for lunch with her and I said, oh, I've been watching Wentworth. God, I love it. Um, it's a shame, you know, it's a shame you, you're not making more because at that point there was only seasons one, two and three on or even just one and two. Anyway, there was only a limited amount out on Netflix. And she said, well, no, no, we've filmed more and we're going to be filming a fourth season. 
And I remember, I do remember very clearly at that point saying, okay, there's going to be a fourth season of Wentworth. I think I'm going to be in that. I just had a very, <laughs> I had a very clear vision or maybe it was more a desire than a vision, but I, I had a very clear realisation that I was going to be in season four. And then months later, I was back in Australia doing a job and, and my agent said, okay, so Wentworth called. There's a, there's a character that they want you to audition for. And I remember just saying, yeah, I'm, I'm getting that. I'm going to be getting oh, that. Oh, sweet. I'll get that role. I was just, I was very sure of myself in a, in a very unappealingly cocky way. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> worked though. Yeah. The audition came up and, um, Ali was the character and I was just determined to get that job. I wanted to be a part of this incredible show and I was incredibly fortunate that I, I got the gig cause it's, yeah, it's, it's tough. There's a lot of competition and especially for a show like Wentworth that by that stage had had a huge following. People knew about it. It, it had a claim worldwide and I think a lot of people wanted in on on that job so I'm I I count myself incredibly lucky that that I got this gig we think that we're lucky to have you as Ali to be honest because like if you read so I've read some of the scripts because I'm a nerd and um... <laughs> like nerds like you though <laughs> nerds like you that keep our show going uh-oh <laughs> <laughs> but I've like read the scripts and like usually if you kind of read a script afterwards yeah you hear the the actor in your head a few yeah. times but I can't not hear you as Ali in my head so that like I think that's a real sticking point for me that makes me think that you've portrayed this character so well oh thank you that that means a lot uh I think I've always thought that I had a bit of an advantage when I came in playing Ali because I as we were just talking about, I, I was a fan of the show and I very much understood the dynamic of all of the characters on the show. And so when this new character, Ali, uh, appeared, because I was a fan and because I had been observing the show, I kind of, I had an idea of how I wanted to pitch that character so she would fit in nicely with all of the existing characters and be a point of difference because I, I didn't want her to just be another another version of sort of the stereotypical inmate that you can see represented uh, you know th that we have in our head like cocksure and ballsy and uh, and sort mm. of sexually confident and all of that kind of thing I I wanted to pitch it slightly differently and and I had uh, yeah I think my advantage was that I was able to see where Ali where my version of Ali was sit within all of these other women yeah, that was a unique experience as an actor, actually, being able to kind of choose my own version of how I thought the character should be played based on who I knew was already in, in the show. It was interesting. Mm. That was an interesting challenge. So we know that Ali was a sex worker and um, that she was on the streets addicted to all um, sorts. heroin, I believe, a heroin, all sorts, just a cocktail yeah. and everything. Um, and you can absolutely avoid this question if it's going to, um gonna inter interrupt the, the next season oh, right. yeah but um I wondered if if we are going to find out anything about why Ali ended up in that position and if we don't have you got something in your head um well 
I don't think I'm not giving anything away. I don't think certainly um, my, the, the version of Ali's past that I had created in my head um, we've had glimpses into Ali's past, but nothing, nothing super specific or detailed, not in the way that we dove into Frankie's past or B's past. Um, mm. Ali's still a little bit of an enigma, which is great because I can, I can make stuff up. But I always <laughs> imagined, I, I always imagined that Ali came from a fairly uh, middle-class upbringing. My idea for Ali was that she or well, my, my inkling for Ali was that she was raised in quite a, um, a suffocating religious household. I think that she was probably sent to a religious school. Um, her, her parents, while I'm sure they cared for her uh, in a perfunctory kind of manner, I don't, I'm not sure that there was a huge amount of acceptance or love. And I think that when, Ali realised that she was gay, I'm sure, as a, you know, a young teen. That was not accepted by her parents. And I imagine that Ali would have been expelled, probably expelled from her school because of her sexuality. Uh, and my backstory for Ali is that as a result of that, her, her parents kicked her out and they, they didn't want, mm. they didn't want her to be a, um, a dirty mark on their perfect family unit and so that she she was cast out and I think that that's how she ended up homeless and I think that that's yeah. probably why she tends to gravitate to women who are caring and maternal and uh, protective because that's not anything that she received as a child. I don't think that she was ever mm. cared for in a loving and nurturing way. And I think that that's why she gravitated to women like um, B, like Kaz, like Mari even. Because mm -hmm. um, while mm. Mari has her own set of, um, in you know, interesting personality traits, she loved Ali and she did protect yeah. her. She, I, I think worshipped her in a way and I think that that's why Ali gravitates to those kind of women yeah which makes Ruby an interesting choice actually because I think Ruby is probably the only the only woman that Ali has been with that is more like Ali's equal yeah and I think that's why I always thought that maybe Ali and Ruby had the best chance of well maybe Ali had the best chance of happiness with a character like Ruby because there was there was always the possibility that they could get out and live on the outside together and and there would be a an even power balance in their relationship whereas I think mm. Ali's history is that or Ali's tendency was to always gravitate towards women who were a lot more powerful than her. Mm. See I liked the relationship between Ali and Ruby because there was some sort of like innocence and like playfulness about that relationship, which kind of brought out a side of Ali that you hadn't yeah, seen. Yeah, and I think that the relationship, while while I truly believe that Ali loves who, whoever she is with, and she's been with a few, whoever she's with, she loves them deeply and truly and fully. Yeah. Um, I think that the relationship with Ruby is the relationship that she never would have gotten to have as a, a teenager and exploring her sexuality for the first time and, 
mm. falling in love with someone at high school and, and having that, that first taste of what love and romance might be. I don't think Ali ever had that when she was younger because I think that her sexuality was squashed by everyone around her. And I thought, I think that she was raised to believe that that was shameful and, and um, mm-hmm. undesirable. And so what I liked about her relationship with Ruby is that it was innocent and it was playful and it was unmarred with um, tragedy. And that's mm. something that Ali hasn't really experienced. Yeah, but we don't want Ali to get too happy because then she'll be killed off. Well, yeah, that, that does seem to be the way, isn't it? As soon as you kind of find true love, have a some kind of aha, Oprah-like epiphany, self-reflection, moment, or yeah. find true happiness, you kill. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> just stone cold dead on the dirty Yeah, prison. although there's a part um, of me that wants that too. Like it's Bentworth. I want, I want to end up on the slab. <gasps> well... Season nine, you can go out. That's right. Yeah, I hope so. I keep on, I keep on asking the writers. I'm like, so, am I going to die? Are you going to oh kill? Oh my god! They won't tell me. I don't know. <laughs> it's Wentworth. It's a rite of passage. All the best characters <sighs> die, so I want to die. Soon. Frankie didn't die. Oh, that's true. Frankie didn't die, and for the Ferguson, Ferguson didn't die. Oh god. <laughs> oh yes. Oh, wish you had Not that. yet. <laughs> Oh, that! Have you ever read the the script and just screamed and just been like, "This cannot be happening. This is just..." Uh, yeah, I sc- yeah, I screamed um, when I read that the final scene of season five, when the freak is in the box and she lights the lighter and she sees the picture of B. I screamed when I when I saw that, and when I and I, when I saw it actualized on screen, I was like, "Holy shit! This is the best! This is the best thing I've ever seen." <laughs> I knew what was coming. <laughs> so we've seen the the promo shots for the new season. Yeah, um, and I mean, the last season went out literally with it. Yes, rain. it was amazing. But Ali's had a bit of a a makeover, and I just wanted to ask. How on earth she gets bleached? <laughs> well, you can. I don't know if this is um, this is true in other countries, but you actually can buy hair dye in Australian prison. At least you can buy hair dye, you can buy makeup, you can buy nail polish. Oh, okay. um, in fact, when I I, I went to a prison with Radawai and Leah and Tammy um, at the beginning of season six, I think they took us there just to to have a look around and to mm. speak to some of the women who were there to speak with the governor. And um, a lot of the women were, had makeup and um, that obviously bought um, brand name sneakers. Like a lot of them had Nike sneakers. Wow. Um, a lot of them had painted nails. So in Australia, at least you can buy, you can buy stuff like that, toiletries mm. and, and self maintenance products. Um, wow. That may not be the case in other countries, and perhaps um, perhaps it wouldn't be the case if it was a super maximum security kind of situation. Mm. Yeah. But uh, certainly in the prison that Wentworth was modelled on, you can buy all of that stuff. And and if, if you look super super closely in the commissary, where you know the the area yeah. where you buy packets of chips and stuff, you can actually see bits of makeup and um, and I think there's some hair dye in there too. Okay. But I do I also do I also do think that they um that they included they included 
those scenes in season four, I think, where B B was working in a makeshift hair salon in the prison. Yeah. And I think yeah. that they included that just as a way to um, give a reason why all of uh, all of us uh, inmates have perfect hair all the time. Oh, Although okay. I think yeah. they do a pretty good job of making us look skanky. Like Ali had regrowth down to there last <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the makeup job they do with Boomer yeah. is insane. Oh, no. I know because she's such a babe yes. in real life. She's just like this goddess. Yeah, and then they make her look like Boomer and no. you're like, how are you the same person? <laughs> it's the, the, she has the opposite treatment that most people have when they go into the makeup chair. She goes like some kind of angel and, uh, and comes out looking like Boomer. She's one of our beloved characters. Oh, yeah. she's, uh, Mine too. She's she, uh, they kill her. Um, she's the she's the only character in in my opinion, and I've always I've always thought this. She's the one character that you can never kill. Really? We'll see, we'll see if we'll see yeah. if I'm right. Come the end of season nine, if we if we get to it, if we get to filming it, but um, that's always yeah. been my theory that Boomer is the one character you can't kill because she kind of she, in a way she represents innocence and hope. And that's that's the one thing that you can't kill. Yeah, Shouldn't I mean, kill. you'd hope. Yeah, yeah. We live in hope. I mean, if they do kill her, they're going to have a strongly worded letter from me, which they won't have. <laughs> <laughs> that broad and rubbish. I'm sure they've received many strong worded letters from fans all around. Oh, oh yeah, plenty. So if if Wentworth could go on forever, we know it's ending at season nine, but if it could go on forever, where would you see Ali in 2030? 2030. Wow. Well. Oh gosh, I think my answer will have to be multi-layered because I I truly to my core believe that any good character, any interesting character has a shelf life. Mm. Uh I don't think that I don't think that a show or a character can remain interesting and vital and um entertaining for that long so mm. I wouldn't I, I don't think Ali should be in Wentworth in 2030 if that was the case. <laughs> I think that she, something something that made sense for her character would have had to happen either she got released or she she dies um, that's the for me that's the reality of prison you you go in you do your time you either get corrupted by the system or you don't some women die in there, some women don't. And that's what that's what I think makes the show authentic. And I actually think that that's what's kept the show alive. The fact that you can give characters uh, a realistic ending and bring new characters in and have it make sense. Because, the, you know, the nature of a prison, it's a revolving door. People go in and people go out and... Uh, so it's a really good concept for a TV show in that respect because you can always, always keep it fresh. So to answer your question, um, I would hope that in the year 2030, Ali has been released from prison. I hope that she has maintained her sobriety. I think it would be a challenge for her, but I, I really hope that she's maintained her sobriety. And I hope that I hope that these last two seasons of Wentworth that you guys haven't seen yet, I hope that the lessons she's learned along the way will equip her to, to be a functional and valuable human on the outside. I think that Ali's got it within her. 
And bizarrely enough, I think that she wouldn't have been equipped to handle life on the outside when she entered the prison, but I think she will be equipped to handle it if she were to be released. Say, yeah, I think so too. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my answer. I think that Ali, like every character on that show has got a shelf life yep. and I wouldn't want to see her on the show for that many more years. Um, but I hope that, I hope that she gets released and can have a happy life. Yeah, I think, um, and I may have to edit this out um, because I think I might get killed, but um, I think one of the best decisions Wentworth, the writers made, was to kill B. Um, yeah, we're going to yes. kill you. It shows that you're not af- <laughs> you're not afraid to kill your main characters. And I think yeah. That's, um... Well, I, I don't think you should edit it out because <gasps> it's, it's something that always gets talked about uh, on the show. Uh, and rightfully so, I think that, it is. It was a shocking decision to make, um, but I agree with you. I think it shows that the writers were unafraid. They weren't. Um, they were willing to take a huge risk, which could have jeopardised the whole show. Uh, but they did so in the in a bid to be true to what the show is about. The show is about the brutal reality of women in that enclosed space and mm. how it how it fucks with your humanity and whether mm. you can survive that or not and not everyone is going to survive and i mean if you look at classic literature over the years you've got tragic heroes and tragic heroes never lived and i i, I can't i can't think of a more tragic hero in, in TV form than someone like B. Sure. Smith. Sure. When you look at, look at all of the amazing television that I've consumed over the last couple of years, decade or so, like The Sopranos, Tony Soprano, mm. he died at the end. Well, I think so anyway, that I, I think that he died <laughs> at the end. Walter White, he dies at the mm. end. Um, it's, it's just the way it goes. And of course they could have chosen to do the opposite, but I, yeah, I think it's a badass choice. And at the end of the day, it's just, it's just art. Like mm. when a, a painter is, you know, when Da Vinci was painting the Mona Lisa, it wasn't the wrong choice to make her a brunette. It was just a choice. And people are going to react to that choice however they choose to react to it. And yeah, uh, yeah I, it's always an interesting one and it's one I reflect on a lot because so so much of the commentary I get uh, from you guys is that they miss that character and they, they wish that she was back and, and I get it. I totally get it. And I'm, yeah. on some level I do too because I, I love Dan and I think she's a wonderful actress and I think that she played that character so beautifully. Oh, but yeah. you, uh, as an actor, from my point of view, I, I wouldn't speak for anyone else, but from my point of view, I want to play characters that push the envelope and I want to be a part of a TV show that pushes the envelope. Mm. And yeah, I think that you, you want to fully lean into and invest in the reality of the show that you're producing. And for me, it's, it's Wentworth and Wentworth Mm. is all about life and death. It's all about survival. And at least from, from my perspective, I, I kind of want Ali to die because I think (gasps) she's I think she's a tragic character too. And yeah, I mean, people got to die. Everyone dies. And that's what's 
so shocking to watch when I can see yeah. it. <laughs> ventilation. Uh, it's just that Wentworth seems to have very high death rate. I'm a bit concerned about their yeah. stats. Yes. But okay, so I do have that one question on Tara because yes, I'm really please. fascinated with her character. I really like it actually. Seen an oh, alpha. Yeah, I loved, I loved playing Tara. It was a nice um it was a nice antidote to playing Ellie. Oh yeah, yeah. She's amazing. Someone who really, has all hilarious. of the self-confidence in the world versus someone who has no self-confidence. Yes, except when it's time for pressure, then I'm not gonna give that away. But anyway, I just wanted to know if Tara, Tara we're in this situation that we're having with this COVID-19 and uh, tons of patients were being brought to Y-Hope's ER. Yes. How do you think she would manage with that? Um, good question. Wow, that is a good question. I think, I think she would go into functionality overdrive. I think that she would glove up, mask up, um, maybe put a hazmat suit on. <laughs> I think that she... Well, interestingly enough, something that she and Ali have in common is that they're both drug addicts, yes. uh, except Tara is a far more high-functioning drug addict mm. than Ali. Um, I think that Ali takes drugs because she wants to block out her life. I think mm. that Tara takes drugs because she wants to consume more life mm -hmm. than she has. Um, both both are because those characters are flawed and insecure, but very kind of different versions of drug addicts. Mm -hmm. So I think that Tara would, would probably go to the bathroom and snort some kind of amphetamine. <laughs> she would put on a hazmat suit and she would, she would come up with a strategy and she would be super functional. She would turn that dingy little hospital into an ICU unit. She'd put plastic sheets up and I think that she would do a kick-ass job. I think that she's, um, I think she's a really great doctor, actually. And oh, yes, she is. Even though somewhat negligent with the drug use, it's well. You know, I have to say it, it's probably it's probably not that unrealistic. I imagine that there would be plenty of of health professionals that would would need something to keep them awake. And I'm sure well. it's not. I'm sure it has happened in the past. You know, well, the highest rate of drug dependencies in um, dentists. In yeah. dentists, you're kidding. Mm -hmm. How interesting. Wow. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, they have access to it, so. So, yeah. um, so I, I wanted to know if you would ever consider journeying behind the camera. Ah, uh, yeah. It's, it's something I think of, it's something I think about frequently. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I, I think as it, it's kind of act, acts as a deterrent that two of my very good friends, Michael and Christine are um, writers for television here in Australia and they are phenomenally talented. They write on all of the shows. They're highly in demand. Mm. Michael wrote on Wentworth. They both mm. wrote um, on Offspring. They both write Five mm. Bedrooms, which I'm in. Yes. They're highly, highly sought after. And they are geniuses, and I don't use that term lightly. They're so stinking smart uh, that I kind of see them and I think, well, if I were to ever try and write something, what would be the point? Because if you have to be that good to be employed as a writer in Australia, I just <laughs> So, yeah, I, I wish I had that talent. Uh, 
because I think writing, like creating stories from inception would be extraordinary. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, I just, I, I don't know that I would ever have the kind of talent that would, would see me employed um, as a writer. And I know you, you know, if I started, I could foster it and, and I'm sure I would get better. But yeah, I've had the luxury of working with some of the best writers in the entire world over my career. And I just, I read what they write and I just think there's, there's no way, there's no way I could ever do that. Um, but something I do really enjoy doing, which is behind the scenes, is teaching. I've, I've taught acting uh, here in Melbourne and online. And um, that's something that I, I want to develop a bit more. I do, I get a huge amount of joy from teaching and seeing seeing people at the beginning of their career and the, at the beginning of their journey and, and mm. helping them um, foster that that talent and that uh, desire that's something that I, I get a lot of joy from so I'd, I'd probably lean into teaching more than directing or um, writing I think mm. I think teaching is um, is one of the most rewarding careers I mean I I'm biased but I I love teaching I think that you get to see like people improve and stuff and yeah yes yeah and if you can get a teacher who is passionate about the subject that they are Mm. teaching all all the better um and that's why I I really like doing teaching on the side because I I, I'm still so enthusiastic about Mm. the profession of acting and the industry Mm that I'm able, I think I'm able to imbibe that to the students that I teach because I'm still active in the industry. I think if I was a full-time teacher and that was all I was doing, perhaps some of that passion and spark would diminish. I'm not sure. We'll see. But you also end up losing the currency of the, the connection with things as well. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I think it's, uh, I think it's really important, at least with what I teach. Well, no, actually, I think with, with, with everything but you have that students have access to teachers who have real industry experience and and current Mm. applicable industry experience certainly when I went to drama school I had a wonderful experience and I'm certainly glad that I studied in the, the fashion that I did but a lot of my tutors didn't have current industry experience and while while my studies were enjoyable, a lot of what I learnt was not particularly applicable to the industry that I was about to be handballed into. So, um, yeah, I, I think that I think that teaching inst- learning institutions have uh, an onus to make sure that they're hiring staff who can give gen like applicable and current information to their students. Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed with that answer. Yeah, me too. Oh. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> so is there any projects or causes that are close to your heart that you want to give a, a shout out to? Well, currently I'm thinking of ways that I can continue to support the small businesses around me mm. in a time where small businesses are just be dying a slow mm. and painful death. So I've I've been... I've tried. I've been trying to think of creative ways to keep keep supporting the small businesses that I particularly like and use, and also mm-hmm. trying to encourage the people that follow me on Instagram to maybe get interested in the, the small businesses around them too. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I, I've been working for the last four years with a wonderful organisation called Oak Tree, and mm-hmm. they um, their mo is to end 
world poverty, which is a, a huge undertaking, obviously, but they, they do it in the most inspiring way. The non-for-profit is run solely by um, students under the age of 27. Uh, and, and I think all but one, I think they have a CEO and everyone else works for free. Wow. At volunteer based. And these kids are extraordinary. They're all studying full time, working part time jobs, and devoting so much of their free time to humanitarian endeavors. And uh, it's incredibly inspiring. And I was lucky enough to be invited to be a part of it four years ago or so. Mm-hmm. And um, anyone who follows me on Instagram would have seen that I, I do the Live Below the Lion Challenge every yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's something that I'm really passionate and I really try to get behind every year. This year, unfortunately, um, but understandably, we're not going to be doing the Live Below the Lion Challenge because I, yeah. think, I think it's just not the right time or the right climate. Um, to take part in something like that but knowing oak tree like i do i'm sure that they will come up with some brilliant response to to what's happening in the world and i would i would happily support them in any endeavor that they take on because i think that they're a truly admirable um organization mm-hmm. that's a cookbook i'd like to see as well the live, oh, below, the live the below the line actually well yeah I'm, I'm kind of bummed that i'm not going to be doing the live below the line this year because <laughs> I was going to, and maybe that's why cooking with COVID started, is that I was going to test out a whole bunch of recipes, film them and and sort of throw it over to my Instagram followers and see see what kind of recipes I should or could cook for $2 a day. Because mm. um, that's always been my challenge with with um, yeah. the Lift Below the Line challenge is how do you, how do you, how do you enjoy food that only costs dollars yeah. a day? How can you be inventive? And I'm sure yeah. that there are far more inventive people out there that could help me create something good for, for that limited budget. So I'm bummed that that's not going to happen this year, but that will, that will happen again next year. Mm. And, um, and yeah, other than that, I'm just trying to use this time, this unknown period of time to, better myself as a human. I I think that that's what everyone's trying to do. Uh, Mm. And that's kind of a really, that's been a really lovely offshoot of this nightmare is to see Mm. just how creative and generous people have been. Um, You know, people like Jimmy, who for a a whole bunch of weeks was just offering free online fitness Mm -hmm. classes to anybody, Mm. anybody around the world could get um, expert PT training. Um, mm. Missy Coco, the, the the wonderful facial place that I go to, she was like dropping care packages off to her to her oh. um, clients all around Melbourne. So, yeah, just just seeing how communally as uh, as humans we have bandied together and and tried to inject positivity and hope into this incredibly tricky situation um something i spoke about on my instagram the other day was something i had been alerted to which was a doctor healthcare worker um mm. and that i think is is brilliant that have you adopted anyone yet well i don't exactly know how it works all i know <laughs> i just log in every day and someone will post hey i need i live in this area code um yeah. i need to borrow someone's car and i haven't found oh. i haven't found any one yet that i can kind of 
help within my area, but I'm, I check in every day and well, you can adopt me. <laughs> I'm not asking for anything. <laughs> no, you don't need me to go and find you some toilet paper. No, no. <laughs> it's like gold dust. Oh stuff. my gosh. No, I saved up before it happened. So I'm okay. Oh, you uh, are one of the hoarders. No, 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 no. I, I had my 12 pack for a very, very long time and it's still lasting. It's just me in the house with my two babies. So, and I work a lot. Okay, so we're going to do a quick fire round. I'm going to ask you some questions. You just say the first thing that comes into your head. My gosh, I'm going to get myself into trouble. Okay. (laughs) Okay, you're not going to get yourself into trouble, I promise you, because they are the most benign questions. Okay, good. Okay. Vegemite, yes or no? Yes. Hell yes. Beer or wine? Uh, Wine. That's a tough one. I mean, so much. it's weather dependent, but I'll say wine. (laughs) 80s or 90s? Oh, the 80s is when I was born, but 90s was when Vanilla Ice was in. in <laughs> yeah, but you like Prince, don't you? Yeah, but he he spanned he, oh, he kind of spanned 80s and 90s. Yeah, I'll yeah, say 80s. Okay, burger or chicken? Burger, probably the number one meal of all time. Burger. Yeah, I, I approve of that. Tea or coffee? Tea, which is interesting because I'm addicted to coffee, not addicted to tea, but I would take. If I had to lose one from my life forever, I'd lose coffee. Do you do herbal teas or do you do a British cuppa? I do a British cuppa. Yeah. How, how do you how do you take it? Well, I love um, I love all of the British teas. I think that you guys do it the best. I think my favourite is actually Irish. Is it is Barry's tea an Irish tea or is it a Scottish tea? Do you know? Um, does he put alcohol in it? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, not, not a brand, <laughs> like a brand of oh. Barry. Oh, someone, someone actually at a, a Scream Star event gave me a, a box of Barry's tea and it was the best. I think it's a bit like Yorkshire tea, like a really strong okay. builder's tea. You're now going to be inundated with that. So uh-huh. I, I, you'll never have to buy yeah, it again. That's right. You won't have to buy again. But yeah, no, I like black tea, brewed well and, and full fat milk. Mm. Oh, yeah I, pr- I prove i'm not a tea drinker but as a british person i prove um movies or series series yeah i like getting down and dirty and going on a, a long journey mm-hmm. with characters because with series too and and i think wentworth is a good example of this mm-hmm. you get to see a character um you get to ha- see a character in so many different incantations and you might think that Ali Novak was only this kind of character, but by season seven, she's a completely different kind of character. And then by mm. season eight, she's a completely different kind of character. So I enjoy that. Um, I enjoy the potential of, of series. Uh, Are you a binge watcher or? Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. I don't like um, waiting. I'm impatient. Mm-hmm. I see. I, I like the week by week. Oh, no. wow. You've got your far more measured than me. Oh, yeah. I don't have self-control, so if all the episodes are out, I'm going to watch them all. Yeah, of course. I watched, I watched episode. seasons one and two of Wentworth in about four days. Four days. Okay, that's impressive. That is yeah. very impressive. Yeah, in bed in LA, I had, I had a cold, and I'd had so many people tell me, you've got to watch Wentworth, you've got to watch Wentworth. And so, yeah, I did, and I, I binged, binged the whole lot. Mm. Uh, podcasts or audiobooks? Oh, good question. Well... You're on a podcast. <laughs> yes, I, I, where I was, I was doctoring my answer in my head. <laughs> oh, you know, I will say podcast. I, I will say podcast and that's not just to, to blow smoke, but I think that 
podcasts in general, I, I enjoy the variety and I tend to learn more listening to a podcast. Got any favorites? Uh, there's one called The Slot. Oh, okay. Um, I think I've heard of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was just about to ask, are you going to start listening now? Well, I have. I, I listened. I listened <gasps> to a couple of episodes to prepare myself. Really? Oh, oh thank you. Oh, so Lord. Of course. Very much. I know what I'm getting myself into. Um, <laughs> yes, of course, because it could have been anything. Yeah. Where I mean, I do, as a, as a rule, I do, I do tend to avoid um, anything that has to do with the show, like fans talking about the show, because... I always, for me, it's always super important to make the show and play my character with with no kind of understanding about how my character is being consumed. Yeah. I can't, I think it's really important that I not pay any attention to whether people like the character, whether they like the choices that she's making. Mm. Um, I, I try not to listen to any of that because I, I think it's so important to just play play the character and tell the story the way that the the script dictates so i tend to avoid um i tend to avoid like forums and and anything where the mm. fans of wentworth talk about about what they're enjoying and what they're not mm. because um while i think that that's really important for you guys and it's a great platform mm. for you guys to have it's not it doesn't help me do my job i think mm my job we're coming at it from two different angles. yeah it can it can get pretty intense sometimes in oh yeah fandoms, yeah you know for sure mm. and which is which is people are passionate yeah, yeah it's it's so rare i mean i've been i've been doing this job for 15 years now wow and in that 15 years this is the only show i've ever been a part of that has this kind of support and following and yeah, you're right. Sometimes it's incredibly intense and, and sometimes it's too intense. And, mm. and I, I hope that people, like I worry for people and I hope that they're able to distinguish reality from fiction. But, mm. um, but still, at the end of the day, it's a dream for, for me and the writers mm. and the producers to have, produ to have created something that has this amount of enthusiasm behind it. Mm. That's, a, that's a win. For me i think it's a testament to how much it's put like how much emotional effort is put in by the actors the writers the producers the directors as well yeah because that's obviously translating yeah okay i think i know the answer to this next one mm, okay but dogs or cats mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah dogs i mean oh. i love too. and if if i if i would have my way i would live in a menagerie um unfortunately nathan is allergic to cats he's kind of allergic <gasps> to poo, but but cats, he, he can't even be in the same house as a cat. Oh, wow. mm. So sadly, no cats for me. But yeah, do dogs are my preference anyway. Oh, I love dogs. I've got two. Oh, um, what kind? I've got a Labradoodle and a Labrador. And my Labradoodle is like tiny. She's, she's stunted at kind of like three, four months old. So she's oh, she tiny, tiny. Yeah, she's, she's gorgeous, but she is so stupid. Oh, um, gosh. But it's fine. We love her anyway. Yeah, fruit or veg? Veg. Okay. And finally, sweet or savoury? Savoury, 100%. Yeah. Okay. Give me all of the salt, all of the cheese, like the fake cheese flavour. Yeah. <laughs> give me a packet of chips, no matter what the flavour is. Salty, salty all day long. 
<laughs> and that I'm incredibly addicted to everything sweet and chocolatey and and bad for, bad for me too. But yeah, if it was if it was a a war between salt and sugar, I would I would want salt to win. Nice. It'd be sugar for me every single time. I'm addicted. To <laughs> What's your poison? Ugh, oh my! Cake. Oh yeah, cake, cupcake, cake. anything mm-hmm. sweet. I used to be known as like um, somebody who was passionate about cake um, at my old job. And this woman was like, oh, you've got to try this vegetable cake that I make. I was like, absolutely not. Um, and she brought in this cake. You should, and it looked like them, cake. should try this Skittle salad that I've... I've... <laughs> <laughs> well, she brought in this cake and it looked like a chocolate cake. It smelled like a chocolate cake. I took a bite of it and it honestly tasted like dirt. And uh, I was like, what on earth is in it? She was like, kidney beans. Beans. I've never felt so tricked in my life. <laughs> oh no, that's, see, that's pathological. I've I've had beetroot in a cake before. Yeah. I've had pota- potato in a chocolate yeah. cake before, and actually, I don't mind that because it kind of adds that to the denseness and the the moistness. Mm. Mm-hmm. But kidney beans—that's just sick. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I think it's the root of a lot of trust issues, to be quite honest. <laughs> For you. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that was nice. Um, so that concludes uh, our questions. So thank you so much for coming on. We really, really appreciate yes, it. Thank, thank you. you. Well, I mean, in this never-ending period of nothingness and unemployment, this has been a, a wonderful addition to my day. So thank that you, guys. good. Well, thank Bye. you for having us. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Good hygienic cough there. I like that. <laughs> um, I'm not going to okay, record good, it because I don't want to get in trouble because of you. There's nothing that's going to get anybody oh. in trouble. Okay, I'm not that kind of person. I hope not. <laughs> I don't want. Okay, Kate, so I don't want Miss Jenkinson to associate me with you in that manner. <laughs>